You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. Hour number three, The Big Show with Russick and Rose. Russick away. I'll be back at some point next week. Peter Klein joins me in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Patty Dumas, GVP, hanging out with us here as well. And we go down the guest hotline to chat with Charles Davis, our NFL analyst for CBS Sports and NFL Network, brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza, pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Chatting some NFL here with Charles. We're going to chat some CFL with Rashford Danny coming up in mere moments. But good morning, Charles. How was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was excellent. And before we get started... yes. Can you give me a quick rundown of where we are in the CFL? Championship. Great quick cu- rundown. Grey Cup was handed out yesterday. The powerhouse Winnipeg Blue Bombers were upset by the plucky upstart Montreal Alouettes. We had uh, quarterback Co- Cody Fajardo, uh, formerly yeah. played at the University of Nevada, mm-hmm. Wolfpack quarterback. Nevada. I know I, I, I know Cody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played there, um, was a Saskatchewan Rough He's Rider a for a while. University of Oregon. Yeah, he basically, he, he was at the top with the Riders. He went all the way down. He had to go to Montreal. He's got his career back on track, and he ends up winning the MVP throwing three touchdowns and one interception as they upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and uh, Mike O'Shea and Zach Caleros' group, the old uh, roommate of the uh, the uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey there. So that's a really yeah. all-over-the-place breakdown of what happened yesterday for you. So that was the Grey Cup? That was the Grey Cup. Did I miss anything, Peter, Pat? Did I miss anything? Of, uh, that no? is awesome. I, I got to tell you right off the top, I'm thrown because – Typically here in the States, uh, somehow I associate the Great Cup with Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they moved it up a weekend uh, yeah. uh, a couple they of years ago. They moved it up a week, right? Yeah. yeah. They, th- they threw me. Yeah. Okay, good. I appreciate you guys because, you know, I pride myself on, you know, following and being up on certain things and what have you. And growing up in New York State, I got a lot of CFL football. So I was really invested during my, my, my formative years and the whole deal. And let's face it, Joe Cap and Angelo King Kong Mosca bearing the hatchet, and that didn't bury so well, is maybe one of the greatest pieces of tape that will ever live. So good. When when Joe when when old Joe when old Joe with threw the cane. a couple right hands yeah. and, and, and King Kong had the cane sitting yeah. there and my favorite was he hit him with the flowers first. And then yeah. he followed it up with a right hand. I was like, wow, this is outstanding. I remember exactly where I was when that tape broke. I was in Madison, Wisconsin, getting ready for a Big Ten championship game. I was inter- we were interviewing Wisconsin. They were getting ready to play, I think, Michigan State. And, <laughs> and I'm in the airport, and it breaks on CNN, and I'm watching it on a loop on CNN, waiting for my flight to go out, crying watching this going i shouldn't be laughing but this tape is going to be one of the best tapes and i have to tell you it's certain days i actually just pull it up yep. just to watch it <laughs> yep uh, there's a couple times a year like when there's like a top 10 it always finds itself on like retirement moment top 10s or things like that greatest cfl moments ever it's usually one of those even <laughs> though the two hmm, participants yeah. were very past their playing days. So, yeah, we see it quite a bit up here. It definitely is a big CFL moment it's for sure. It's one of the all-timers. And, and when Joe Cap, when Joe Cap tapped out, you know, went through the accomplishments, went through all the stuff, the great tape, him and him with the Vikings and the motivational, mm-hmm. you know, stuff and all that because Joe wasn't exactly an artist playing quarterback. there wasn't a a lot artistic to him you didn't go and you weren't mesmerized by his footwork or his throwing the ball might go end over end but somehow would get there and he motivated that team he was the nfl mvp i believe in 1969 but it ended with and oh yeah and that tape got in (laughs) that's like oh my goodness I'm sure the producers were fighting. Like, should yeah. we? Shouldn't we? And they they just could not do it. You got it. Just kind of how it went. Had to pull the trigger. Um, you mentioned 1969. I'm going to go to 1962. The last time the Detroit Lions were eight and two, Charles. It's a pretty uh, yeah. spectacular run that the Lions are on now. 
My friend Peter across from me here started today by saying uh, we should probably beat someone of importance first. What do we make of the Lions' victory over the Bears? Impressive, or did they let Chicago hang around too much? Well, it, it, it's a mix of both because the Lions are clearly a better football team than where the Lions are right now. But a lot, I mean, the Bears are right now. But, you know, in recent weeks, if you watch the Bears, their defense has played pretty well. Offense has struggled. Remember, they were playing Tyson Bajan. And, look, mm-hmm. Justin Fields coming back, is not. The, it doesn't cure all that ails you, but it makes you better when he's on top of his game. And he played pretty well yesterday, able to run, all the things that you're looking for, being able to hit DJ more, all those things. So, yes, if, you, if you're thinking of it, Detroit's a better football team. But Chicago is much improved over what we saw earlier this year. Are they a threat to win a whole lot of things? I don't think so. But they're definitely better. And, and if you're not on your game, they're going to mess up yours. And I think Chicago, Detroit went through some of that with Goff throwing the three intercepts the whole deal. But to find a way to win when you are now considered one of the better teams in the league, and that's where Detroit has ascended to, that's big for them. You got to find a way to win when you don't have everything operating well. When your when your quarterback's throwing too many picks, when all those things are happening, when you find ways, that's big in this league because you guys know what you're doing now. They're they're trying to play for seeding. Can they get here? Can they get there? And you know the the question: Have they beat good teams? Sure, but let's not forget they beat Kansas City and Kansas City in the opener. Uh, staying in the North, but going over to the AFC, you were on the, uh, the, the Brown Steelers game yesterday. Uh, those are two yeah. teams that I, I still have a tough time getting a read on. You watch both teams offensively <laughs> and with all due respect, it's like, I don't know how you win ever, but you watch them both defensively. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how you lose ever. I, I don't know. Did, did we figure right. out anything about either of those teams yesterday? It's Peter, right? Yeah. Yeah, Peter, it's so nice to meet you and talk with you and do this we do this day, day with you. But I love the fact that you went with the all due respect card because as you well know, as soon as you start with with all due respect, <laughs> someone's about to be disrespected. Okay? <laughs> like like we, we as soon as you start, hey, with all due respect, whoever you are on the other side, brace yourself. You are about to be disrespected. <laughs> and you nailed it on the offenses. Look, neither one of them, I saw about Joe Cap not being artistic. Same thing with their offenses right now. Okay, you got a backup quarterback in Cleveland, and they called a very tight game to keep him in that box. Okay, uh, you ever see the movie Hitch? Will Smith teaching Kevin James to dance, and Kevin James wanted <laughs> yeah. to do all the wild yeah. stuff. And remember, he said, "No, no, 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 no. You live here, and you just step left, step yeah. right, step <laughs> left, step right. This is where you live." That that was the offense yesterday for both of the teams: step left, step right, because of what you said about their defenses. Don't. Yesterday was a defensive Hippocratic oath game. First, do no harm to my defense. And the defense has provided everything both sides needed. And in the end, not quite enough for, for Pittsburgh because finally Cleveland hit a pass that was over five yards downfield and they found a way to, to, to kick the field goal and win. Sustainability of that, not great, but the idea of getting to the playoffs, in that division, mm-hmm. that's big because to me, Baltimore should run should run away with the division now. They have the quarterback and the best offense going that's left in it. Burrow gone in Cincinnati is going to be difficult for them to put it mildly. Pittsburgh, they've struggled with offense even with their quarterback, and obviously saw Cleveland now with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Now let's see if they expand more as they go, but I don't know it'll be a great expansion because again, you don't want to mess up that defense. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about the division. Like you said, like all of the, the quarterback issues with the other teams. And now uh, Mark Andrews injury for, for Baltimore is yeah. certainly not nothing. Um, like it, it does. All these teams have just kind of hung around. It feels like all season long like this. This does feel like it's going to be a bit of a rock fight to the end, doesn't it? It does. It absolutely does. But I will say this. If you go back on Baltimore, because I'm going to throw this out there at you guys. They're eight and three, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could have an easy case. And I know, you know, we, we play these games, but they have an easy case that they should be 11 and 0. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Look back at, at the, they lose in Indianapolis at home. They had it in the hand. They lost to Pittsburgh. We did that game. Okay. And Pittsburgh hit a bomb late and beat them. Blocked the punt, blocked the punt, scored. 
we literally got in the car to go to the airport, and we were like in silence for like three minutes driving. <laughs> and finally, I turned around and said, I got a question. They're like, what? Did we just see Pittsburgh win that game? <laughs> did, that, did that happen? And, and we saw it. So that's, that's two. And then they blew two leads of 14 points plus mm-hmm. at home against Cleveland the week before. Sean Watson was brilliant in the second half. But Ravens blowing leads like that, and then the stat came out that over the last three years, they had the most blown fourth-quarter leads in the league, which absolutely shocked me. I never would have thought the Ravens would be in that situation. But to me, they have a strong case of being 11-0. and So I do think they're the best team in that division if they can just batten down the hatches in late-game situations. And I think that they will. And yes, Mark Andrews is a huge loss. But keep an eye on the backup Isaiah Likely. He's not as big and as bulky as Andrews, mm-hmm. but he is a receiving tight end who I think will give them some good play. So we'll see how it goes. Again, yeah, he's not Mark Andrews. Very few people are. But you're right. The rest of it is will we'll be a rock fight. And I'll finish with this. When the season started, he ranked the quarterbacks in the AFC North. Pick your order. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Um, who else did we have in there? Deshaun uh, Kenny Watson. Pickett, yeah, and Kenny Pickett. And Deshaun Watson. Pick it, right? Pick your order. Whatever order it is, Kenny Pickett was fourth. Mm. Pick your other three. There's no, there's no list anywhere that Kenny Pickett ranked above any, above any of the previous three. No list anywhere, right? When we kicked off yesterday, when we kicked the game off, Kenny Pickett was the number two quarterback in the division. Oh, man. Think about it. Yeah, that – Kind of hurt my soul. Vibes are really that. good in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good. Um, Charles, I did want to ask you, the Chargers lost to the Packers 23-20. There was a, a drop in the final drive for the Chargers that probably would have turned the Yeah, the Quentin, fate. Quentin Johnson, the yeah. first pick at TCU. Yeah, <laughs> coming in and, and playing for Mike Williams, who's, who's got that injury uh, that's going to keep him out the rest of the yeah. season. Uh, after the game, Rex Ryan said that Brandon Staley should go back to Div 3 football where he belongs. What do you make of wow. the Chargers' place right now? Wow. That's, that's Rex. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, don't think that I, I read that, that and I said, I, I, I got to share that. Yeah. Poof. Wow. Hey, well, one thing about Rex, he doesn't mind giving you a big quote. Okay. Yep. There, there's no question about that. He doesn't need to go back to Division Three football. He's proved his chops as a coordinator in this league. That Rams defense he coordinated was, was pretty special. That's what got him the Chargers' job. What's hurting him more than anything is losing these close games. If it's a close one, they don't win it. And you're wasting a generational talent at quarterback in Justin Herbert, who puts up numbers, offense puts up numbers, and numbers that you should be winning at a really good rate, yet he's about 500 as a starter because they lose too many close games. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I'll bet you if you, whoever your crack research team is, they'll go, oh, yeah, here it is. And you'll look at it and go, are you kidding me? And that led to his post-game press conference snap yesterday where the reporter asked if he's going to still be called defensive plays. And and, and I don't know who the reporter was, but the way he addressed it made me think that it was a local beat writer that he deals with a lot because of the way he talked to him Mm -hmm. or her. I assumed it was a him, and I shouldn't do that. It might have been a her. But in any event, that felt like local, and it felt really, really close because it wasn't addressed. If it had been someone who's just like a national and they just popped in, that's a whole different answer. But that was local because he kept saying, you don't have to ask, ask that question again. In other words, they've been asking you this question. <laughs> okay, I'm done with it. Well, you may be done with it, but once again, you lost to a team that you should have beaten and you lost in a late game situation and you didn't close it down. Those are the questions you have to answer. Division three, I find that a bit harsh. He's a very good football coach. He's done an excellent job that way. But him calling defensive plays, him as a head coach, he has to bear the responsibility that this Chargers team is not living up to its potential. Um, moving around the, the NFL a little bit, uh, the New York Giants didn't exactly shower themselves in glory a couple of weeks ago against the, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but a, a bit of a bounce back against Washington. Uh, Tommy DeVito 
looked night and day different uh, against Washington. What, what did you make of the, the performance of the, the G-men out in Washington? Well, it's the home cooking. Yeah. I mean, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Chicken cutlets. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Mom, Mom's hooking you up for three squares a day. You come home and your bed's made. Your laundry's, your laundry's folded and done. I mean, you know, probably Mom gives him gas money. Like, honey, here you go. <laughs> You know, I mean, she, does she do a brown, brown paper bag as he goes to work every day? And, and you know, you know, moms do a great job because they fold that bag just so perfectly with the right crease in it. Yeah, and I'll guarantee there's a little. I'll guarantee there's a little note in that bag. Yeah, you have a great day, honey. Love you. Don't throw too many you picks on today. Don't throw too many yeah, picks on squad. <laughs> I'm, I'm having I'm having way too much fun with it. And Tommy DeVito will probably pick me up and body slam me one day. I might be able to hold my own with him. But the bottom line is this, it's a fun story for that reason. But again, the Giants, that just tells you where they are. And congratulations to Tommy DeVito and crew for winning a game. But that kind of a win for them, flip it around. If you are the brand-new owner of the Washington Commanders, mm. bought the team, this is what you've got. Are you really looking at your crew who's leading you right now and thinking, yeah, I want to stay in business with you? Mm. I, I, I Listen, I don't get into a whole lot of coaches, coaching changes. I kind of let it happen. But I'm also not naive enough to to sit here and look at it and say, hey, if I'm, if I'm Ron Rivera at Washington and crew, <laughs> after what happened yesterday, you got some explaining to do. And guess what? This is going to be a tough one for you because brand new ownership has an idea that they want their people. So you have to be above and beyond in order to make sure you're staying in there. That one hurt Washington yesterday because that was a game that, you know, you expect them to win. Just looking around the league, we've had a lot of quarterback injuries. So we've seen some young quarterbacks come into varying degrees of success. Um, I find it so interesting. Like you look at Zach Wilson. I feel fairly confident that he ain't it right now. Um, a couple other guys around the league where it's like, yeah, you're probably not a starter in this league. But then you look at what uh, Dobbs is doing out for Minnesota and was doing for yeah. Arizona this year. And it's like, oh, well, people gave up on him too quick. Just like kind of a bigger picture. How difficult is it to, I guess, not give up on the, these kids as quickly when you see some uh, other players as they go on in their career have yeah. turnarounds like Dobbs did? Yeah, it's really difficult. And, and you don't know quite when it's going to happen, too. And the beauty of Josh Dobbs, and, you know, for all full information, he's a University of Tennessee grad. I'm a University of Tennessee grad. So if there's any bias that you read into what I'm about to say, there's probably some there because I have great affection for this young man. All right? But let's be realistic, too. When he got traded by Cleveland to start this season to give Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the rookie out of UCLA fifth-round pick, the number two job, were there any real ripples around the league? Like, oh, you're going to regret that one. Uh, no, not at all. None. Okay, none. Okay? <laughs> so Josh Dobbs did not win a game as a starter until this season. Because remember, Tennessee got him at the end of yeah, last year. Yeah. Made him a starter to try to get to the playoffs. They didn't win. His first win as a starter was this season. So this is it's a, it's a story that's off the charts. It's a story that I love. It's a story I embrace. I texted him again this morning. Yeah, I've got bias. I want him to be great. But it wasn't one of those ones where, you know, everybody could say, oh, why didn't you put in Josh Dobbs? <laughs> no one ever called for Josh Dobbs to go in before. Now we're watching it all unfold. So you're never sure when, where, how. So your point about not giving up or finding that guy somewhere else, when does he hit the zeitgeist? That's the kicker. And for Josh right now, he's hit it. And you know what's crazy? Think about it this way. What he did at Arizona this year, again, how many wins, right? But he was doing the best he could. He made some plays. He did some stuff. And here's the wild part. They benched him mm. and then traded him. So they didn't, they didn't just trade him. They were benching him because I've got this one straight. He went in, was told, "Nope, you're still going to be our starter." The next day, I changed my mind. We're going to be, we're going to go with we're going to go with the other guy. Okay, great. I just moved here. My furniture just arrived. Am I going to be traded? Because the trade deadline's coming up. No, you're not going to be traded. 
straight point blank. You're not going to be traded. Calls his agent. Tells the agent, okay, good. I'm good here. Even though I'm benching, I'm upset about that. At least I know I'm here. I can get settled and whatever. The agent said, eh. He goes, why do you say that? He goes, well, the guy told me straight up I won't get traded. He goes, eh, I'd pack a bag anyway. Trade deadline's coming up. Be ready. And guess what? Next thing you know, he got traded, went to Minnesota, and you see how that's worked out. So we just don't know, and we're not sure, and that's the hard part. We do a lot of evaluation of these guys. It's almost 50-50 on whether we're right or wrong despite our evaluation. Charles, I wanted to ask you about the Monday Nighter, but I don't think we're going to have time because I want to ask you about the Texans instead. They play the Jags on Sunday in uh, yeah. at home, actually. If they win, yeah. it feels like they're going to be a playoff team. Do you think that the Texans can be a playoff team with C.J. Stroud as rookie quarterback? They certainly can because it's not just him. It's everything around him now. Mm. Watch how well the defense is playing. Watch how well the, the receivers are starting to come along and make plays, and it's different guys at different times. The tight end, Dalton Schultz, has come alive and become dependable for him. Um, Devin Singletary, Motor, has become a primary ball carrier with Damian Pierce being hurt, who we, I thought was going to be a star this year. They are doing all the right things. They've grasped on, obviously, to D'Amico Ryan, and they're riding that momentum. This game, this Sunday, they're playing first share first place in their division. <laughs> Who would have thought that going into the season? Nuts. Absolutely no one. And I know we don't have time, but the Kelsey Bowl, <laughs> the Monday Nighter, this is a really cool thing, guys. This is really cool. At this stage of the season, we have this type of a game. I think it's only like the seventh Super Bowl rematch the very next season. It's everything off the charts. And I don't even have to get into the woman who is perfection, Taylor Swift. We don't even have to get there. No. Nope. That's how good this game is. We don't even have to get there. But guess what? We'll get there because <laughs> she's going to be a part of it anyway. But this game is exactly what we're looking for. What a great time for it. Right before Thanksgiving and the big games there, I'm fired up. And by the way, both teams feel like they haven't played their best football yet. And they'd love to use this showcase Monday night to show that they're making that move. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, the The parents are meeting. The, the Kelsey and the Swift parents are meeting. This is ridiculous to me. It took me like four years to get to that point, but so by great. all means. This is better This is better than the convention at Yalta. I yeah. mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> Charles, enjoy it, man. Uh, always fun. We'll chat to you on Monday, okay? Thanks a lot, and thank you for helping me on the Great Cup because I was so confused. I was like, no, it's next week. And yeah. they're like, no, we moved it up a week. No, keep, keep uh, track, dude, and I'm so, happy. I'm so happy for Cody. He is a terrific young man. Very happy for him. Alouettes did it. It's a big one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Cheers, man. We'll talk soon. All right, you take care. Be there, good. There you go. Charles Davis joined us down the uh, guest hotline. Brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and in Okotoks. Have you ever chatted with CD before? No, I haven't. I was really excited about that. I, I think, and not just because he was so very nice to me there, uh, but I, I think he's like legitimately the best color commentator in the NFL and one of the people who I love listening to the most. So I, I could have just gone like each game, like, okay, so what do you think about the Titans? Like, I just like we could have done this oh, for yeah. four hours. That was great. I could have kept going forever. Uh, we could have kept going. What, 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 what did we miss? Uh, Jordan Love playing some good football. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Perfect quarterback rating. Yeah, Niners. Yep. First quarterback, perfect quarterback rating in San Francisco since Montana, and Young did it in 1989. Could have done that. Those were both stories that we didn't have Buffalo time Bills for. Bills back on track. Bills back on track. They sure. need it because they got the Eagles next week. We barely chalked, talked about today's Monday Nighter, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, what a sports Dera- day this is. Deron Bland. Didn't talk about him. Yeah. Four pick sixes. Cowboys looking good. Did you see that touchdown pass that Kyler Murray threw to open up red zone? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah. Dropped that thing in a bucket. <laughs> I thought they... the Cardinals were going to run away with it after that pass. <laughs> and then he threw a couple of bad interceptions later in the game. They have such an interesting decision to make with uh, with Kyler, depending on where they're picking in the draft. Now, he might play them God, out he of... He looks good. They might play. He might play them out I'm, of the I, Caleb Williams. I, if I, I'm stakes, not but... touching Kyler Murray, I'm keeping him there in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's yeah. one build around that. Like if because you, can get, you can't, you did this a few years ago with Josh Rosen. You dumped Josh Rosen right for Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray is a million times better than Josh Rosen yeah. is. 
Um, so yeah. Like if you get rid of Kyler Murray and draft Caleb Williams, you're hoping Caleb Williams turns into Kyler Murray. Also, like, like you're gonna have a guys, top five like, pick. You're gonna go go draft Marvin some Harrison guys to help him out. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be great. There. So done with Caleb Williams, and I don't even want. Yeah, he didn't even football. talk to the press there uh, after the loss to UCLA. Yeah, a, like, come a, on, he's dude. He's crying child. in the stands after a loss. Needs as well. ownership. Wants like, an ownership. Get out of here. I'm done with this kid. Already. Drake May, I think, is is actually going to be a better quarterback down the line. And I think that teams are going to realize that come April. Football hour to yeah. start your Monday. How about it? Uh, Grey Cup was yesterday. And yes, we did kick off our conversation with Charles Davis talking about the Grey Cup. Did not disappoint. Alouette's the winners. 28-24. We'll chat with the Rashman Danny next. Uh, as he was there on the sidelines and everything. We'll ask him all about it. Sports at 960 The Fan. We're back on the show. Final segment here before Big Show Premium, Big Show Plus, Big Show Extra. What do you got coming up after this, Mr. Dumas? Oh, we're going to replay our Brent Cron conversation. Hell yeah. I love it. Um, We also got to get to our big bets, tell you how we did in week number 11. Yeah. I had another winning week. You did. You I did. did. I had yeah. a very, yeah. very, very, very good week. Your boy is crushing it on his NFL picks this week. We'll also get to Georges and Patrick's, although they're not as good. But right now, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Arash Madani joins us from out east. He was covering the Great Cup for Sportsnet. Good morning, Arash. How are you doing? How are we doing, fellas? So far, so good. Grey Cup was a lot of fun. Uh, I love an underdog win in the Grey Cup. Seen it plenty covering the Calgary Stampeders. Had to get over a couple of uh, hubs there before they won theirs in 2018. This one did not disappoint. What were you expecting going into this game, and how far did it stray from the script? Uh, it, it, it strayed incredibly from the script. I thought Winnipeg was going to dominate. I thought Winnipeg's pass rush was going to expose a very mediocre, and being complimentary here, uh, LOS offensive line. I thought Zach Caleros would um, exorcise his demons of the last eight November postseason games where he's been poor. I thought Kenny Lawler was going to take over this game. And I didn't think Cody Fajardo had the goods to be a championship quarterback. And (laughs) all of that, um, that basically the opposite happened in this football game. And look, full marks to the Alouettes. They did it. They won it. Their defense held Winnipeg to seven second half points. But this was an, an absolute blue bomber choke job for the second straight Grey Cup. Let's be real about it. Yeah. I find that you know, covering a couple of gray cups that the team that has maybe the more business-like approach in the week leading up usually gets the win. Did you feel like that's how this went or was it? No, no, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. Winnipeg led by 10 points at halftime. It was 17-7. They were in control. And then what happens out of the break? Boom. Montreal goes down their throats in two minutes on a long scoring drive. But the Bombers still had it. The game was there. Look, Cody Fajardo in under two minutes had to go 83 yards for a touchdown. He, he second and 18 on that series. He improvises on this wild rush that set up third and manageable third and five, then under throws a ball on third and five. That would have been a touchdown from anybody else, but the ball's hauled in. And then Winnipeg inexplicably goes cover zero all out blitz. And Fajardo finds Tyson Philpot on, you know, a little corner route into the end zone, threading the needle. I, I think it had nothing to do with the week. I think it had everything to do with in a big spot, in a big moment, Winnipeg absolutely failed. I was, I was going to ask, do, do you think that this result was more what Montreal did or what Winnipeg didn't do? But it sounds like you're, you're no, leaning more no, what Winnipeg both. didn't do. No, both. I mean, look, Montreal's defense was legit. Montreal's defense showed up, but Zach, look, there was a spot in the game where in the first half where you're saying to yourself, okay, Montreal's defense is here. They've showed up. Um, and so, you know, swats away a ball in the end zone intended for Wolitarski, fine. But then in the second half, Caleros had Nick Dembski wide open 
Instead, he tried to force it to Lawler, and Ento makes an incredible pick. And the, the thing about Caleros is he is unfloppable. He's a guy you wouldn't know if he threw three touchdowns or three picks. He throws that pick, and his reaction was telling. He nearly crumpled over. He grabbed his kneecaps, and from there, Caleros was gun-shy. He was slow to pull the trigger on throws. He was poor. Guys, Zach Caleros, this, this is the most baffling thing. Zach Caleros has been the CFL's best player since 2019. Okay, wire to wire. Now, there have been some guys who've had flickers and, you know, half seasons, whatever. But over the last four years, Caleros has been the best player, except in November. In his last nine postseason games, Caleros has six touchdowns and eight picks. Wow. This dude, and look, he's a pro, but he has been terrible. In the playoffs and Grey Cups. Well, and and you look at, at how this game is going. Like w- with three minutes left, Montreal punts the ball back to Winnipeg. And I, I think if you tell Bombers fans, "Hey, you guys are going to have the ball up three with three minutes to go," you're like, "All right, well, I guess like does Oliveira win both MVP and Most Outstanding Canadian? Just the one? How is this playing out?" And instead, there's a, a run stop on first down. It's second and long, and Caleros. Kind of got a bit of happy feet in there, and he ends up getting sacked, and that allows things to, to turn around. But, like, they they had the ball there with a chance. Like, Montreal doesn't have to get that ball back. Um, I, I thought that that was a chance for the Bombers to put it away, and they didn't. Yeah. And then their defense had a shot at it, too. Look, second and 18 from midfield turns into bang, 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 touchdown. Um, look, and, and if we really want to get into the weeds and dissect this thing, it was an absolute mistake to have Adam Bakehill activated yesterday. It was the waste of a roster spot. It was a guy who was not healthy. And they tried to make magic happen for a guy who just wasn't there. I mean, an old GM told me a long time ago, what's the difference between a junk player, trash player, and an injured player? Nothing, because neither of any use to me. And Adam Bakehill was of no use to that bomber defense yesterday. Shane Gauthier, 44 for Winnipeg, he was the best linebacker on the field yesterday making plays. Um, I, I, just, I just thought there was some arrogance there from Winnipeg and, um, and a game that they absolutely had won, they lost. And the guys who needed to perform for them when it mattered didn't. How much has Cody Fajardo grown since his time in Saskatchewan? Because I don't know if the Cody that played with the Rough Riders would have been able to win that game in the second half. Yeah. It's amazing how sports becomes narratives, right? Yes. So, like, congratulations to Cody Fajardo. He is now a Grey Cup championship quarterback. He is the MVP of, of a title game. He earned it. He did it. The Alouettes got to the Grey Cup because nine turnovers were forced in the East Final. And when the game got tight at BMO last week, they brought a kick return back to the house. So, look, at no point did I think Fajardo was capable of any of this, but he did it. He did it. Now, Jason Moss put Fajardo in such a position to succeed. Until the end of the game, they didn't have Cody have to go make a play. It was a lot of hitch screens. It was a lot of bubble screens. But then they waited and waited for their moment to get man coverage down the sideline, and they pulled it on third and five. And then on the game-winning play, they were expecting pressure. They got pressure, and Moss told Fajardo, you got to wait an extra tick so Philpott can make a double move to be open, and he finds uh, – he finds Tyson Philpott in the end zone. So was Fajardo capable of making the throws before? Maybe, maybe not. Was he capable of leading a team to a championship a year ago? Probably not. But, you know, he's grown and he's evolved. But I think what, make, what makes him and allows him to succeed is the Alouettes really haven't asked him to do too much 
And that way, ball security and ball control becomes so important in how they operate their offense. On the uh, the opposite end of the uh, the, the Fajardo pass was, was Phil Pot making the, the catch in the end zone. A kid who uh, all of us out here have a bit of a soft spot for the the UFC Dino. He had uh, a dynamite game. I thought. Well, what did you see from the the former UFC Dino? Dynamite. Ah, uh, oh, I didn't even mean to do that. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I thought he had a decent second half. Um, it was a hell of a catch. It was a hell of a play call. It was a hell of a throw to win them the game. Quite honestly, fellas, I thought the best Canadian on the field last night was Nick Dembski. Winnipeg's not in a position to even be in the conversation without him. He became Caleros' security blanket. I know Oliveira was continuing to you know, run the football and run it well. Um, but he also had to fumble. And I just thought Dembski was really important. Um, you know, this, this Alouette's team is really interesting because they were without an owner when free agency rolled around. And Eugene Lewis left the building and Trevor Harris left the building. They had no money to sign players. Yeah. And again, narrative, but they, they started calling themselves the misfits, a bunch of cast offs, a bunch of free agents that nobody wanted. You know, they, they add Sean Lemon late in the year and they really kind of banded around this. Nobody wanted us. Um, but we've all come together to do this. They had very Oakland A's vibes. Um, if you will. And um, and they went out and did it. And guys like Tyson Philpott did what they had to do to make it happen. CFL going to be the next league going to Vegas. Back again to Vegas, I should add. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, away from the oh, Grey Cup. Good one. Very, yeah, I'm, I'm really sharp this, this morning. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the Rough Riders head coaching position. Have there been any rumblings as far as who is maybe leading the way for that position? Um, we did have a couple of reports from the guys from TSN mentioning a couple of the Stampeders um, coaches from various positions. Mark Killam, their special teams coordinator. Brent Monson, their defensive coordinator. Hear anything about the Rough Riders head coaching position out of Great Cup Week? Well, in, in very Saskatchewan form, I'm told that Jeremy O'Day, their GM, is conducting interviews in Saskatoon because he doesn't want any leaks coming out of Regina. Mm. Um, yeah. Good. So, yeah, Mark Gillum is definitely on the radar. Scott Milanovic, who this season was Hamilton's offensive coordinator the second half of the year, he's on their radar. Um, I would suspect that Corey Mace, the defensive coordinator of the Argos, um, is very much in that conversation. And if Mace gets the gig, how it affects the Stamps, don't forget Mace was the D-line coach with Calgary when they won the Grey Cup. Um, I would suspect that Mace would bring Mark Mueller mm. over to Saskatchewan if he gets the job. Um, Mueller was the play caller at the start of the season for the Stamps. I'm told by the middle part of the season he was no longer the play caller. So it might be time for you know, a young coach, a young Canadian coach, who can also go home as the grandson of Ron Lancaster. Um, so I, those, those are some names to kind of keep an eye on, I would say. Um, I, I, I haven't heard Monson's name kind of being in that conversation, but we shall see. I guess just overall thoughts on uh, where the league is at. You, you were at uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi's press conference. Was this a good year for the CFL? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, they... You know, they pull out a bunch of numbers. I mean, just look down the street from you guys. What were crowds like at McMahon? Where's where's the appetite for the Stampeders in the marketplace compared to what it was not that long ago? Look what's happening in Edmonton. They're shutting down the upper deck. Look, I think I think in BC they've taken real strides forward. They have good ownership in Vancouver. What I like what Amar Doman's doing is that he's not making it just a Vancouver team, it's a BC team. To the point where I'm told conversations are being had of playing a regular season game potentially in Victoria next season. Wow. Um, the league stats program was a complete utter failure. Yep. There are T-ball teams for, se- for seven-year-olds who have a better stat system. And why does that matter? Well, we live in a gambling and fantasy football world where that stuff is, is paramount and people are, you know, on their phones. I just... Um, the, the CFL under Ambrosi's stewardship has thrown a lot of things against the wall. The global program, um, expansion to the maritime, genius sports, 
and all of it's failed. Mm. You know, the, the East Coast thing's about to fizzle. I'm told there's no touchdown Atlantic on the schedule next year. Um, and their U.S. TV deal, none of the playoff games were, were, were shown on CBS Sports Network because they're more interested in showing, um, you know, whatever college basketball and mid-major uh, college football on weekends, not the CFL. Mm-hmm. So um, Ambrosi said in 2021, we fixed the business model. Meanwhile, the Edmonton Elks aren't going, you know, they're hemorrhaging money. So I don't know how they fix the business model. It doesn't feel like it's fixed, but uh, hey, they'll continue to plug away. That we do know. Uh, thanks for your time, Rash. Uh, really appreciate the chat. All right, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. That's Rash from Danny for Sportsnet. Was covering the Great Cup for us out in Hamilton. Joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Tough to argue with uh, the thoughts on the, the state of the league. I would like it to be in a better spot. But that's the that's that's the case of the CFL. You have a, you have one of your best championship games. Yeah. You have and then you you're talking about well, the league's not doing great in Alberta at least. You know, McMahon's attendance issues, Commonwealth's top decks closed. Yeah, and then the other things like the stat system was broken all year. It was a nightmare. Um, the, I don't know how much fans cared after like week three when you were like, all right, I guess it's not a thing. No, but, but like, like covering the league, it was a disaster. It was tough. Uh, the the touch the Atlantic uh, t- getting a team out east. It's like Fisher cut bait. You really want to Fisher cut bait? And Sounds then you, like they're cutting bait. Yeah. <laughs> where else are you gonna go? Where you put a team in Quebec City? No, I like. There's no other market. Then you're gonna be stuck with this imbalanced nine team league. Then because you can't figure out anything to do out east. Like Randy Ambrosio, I'm not going anywhere. It feels like the <laughs> CFL is becoming more of a localized sport than a national. You did sport. say that. Yes. It is and totally becoming a. a I think they're on the verge of problems in Saskatchewan, and that's a problem. Too. Oh, I think they're when you have nine teams everywhere. and you become yeah. a local sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're getting way more fans than some of the other sports that I would consider local. Mm-hmm. But as far as how many uh, the the national awareness, I my, my family used to always get together for the Great Cup. Yeah, I don't know if my parents watched it yesterday. I know for a fact mine didn't, and like we used to always like that was every game. Um, regardless, I and mean, look, we, we got and to when, watch a lot of non-rider playoff games. When that demo's um, when that demo's checking out? Yeah. No, exactly, right? Like and, and it was all season long. They didn't watch a game all year. Yeah. And I know people who have given up season tickets in Saskatchewan yeah. after thirty five years of having them. Now that's because Saskatchewan has wildly overpriced everything they're doing because they're the riders. But I was thinking about this this week, and it, it like the, the CFL for so long has been stuck in, well, we're a part of the fabric of all of these places, and they've just ridden that, and it's like are Mar- you sports? Well, hey, no, you're not anymore. But like sports marketing now isn't just because for a long in time it was city, it was awareness. You can say that in Winnipeg, you're probably it right, right. now. Uh, Saskatchewan, you could have, you but they, they've yeah. I think worn out all that that yeah. welcome. So much of like marketing for the CFL was just like just get the game in front of eyeballs, you get it, whatever. And it's like everyone sees everything now. It is 2023. We I can watch a game in Japan tomorrow mm-hmm. if I want to, right? Yep. For you, like it, cheap, right? Relatively, yeah. It, if you got the right stuff for free. Um, like, like there, there's so many. We don't condone that as a parent company or Rogers. Right, exactly. Company. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, like you, you look at, you look at all the entertainment options that are out there. Sorry, what were you saying? You, you look at all the entertainment options that are out there. I can pick which NFL game I watch. I can like, I have access to every movie that's ever been made, good, bad, or otherwise. Right? Like, yeah. there's, there's so plus much... all the TV shows. Yes, plus everything else. And, and you so know how the... much you have to fight tooth and nail to get eyeballs? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like in Saskatchewan, oh, what else are they going to do? Watch Netflix. You know, like <laughs> we, we had, we had a year and a half where we could just sit inside and do nothing. We figured out what to do, and after that, the CFL kind of fell off a little bit. It can't just be about, oh, we just need to get eyeballs on this, because eyeballs are everywhere. You need to get people invested, it needs to be entertaining, and you need people to care. That's why you have an F1 race in Vegas now, is because Formula One has done a bang-up job of making people actually care about their product. And mm-hmm. the CFL is just like, yeah, we're Canadian. That's been the extent of it. We're, yeah. we're Canadian. We've we're been different. around for 110 years. I've said it for a long time, but you got to find a way to tell these players' stories a lot more. It's one of the things that we always try and do with the Stamps Report is just get people to know the players well, a lot more because yeah. if you know the players, they're really easy to cheer for. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of heard in the broadcast, they kept driving, like, for any Americans that might have been listening, like, Austin Mack, Ohio State, Ohio State. They kept yeah. saying, like, the schools. Eastern Tennessee. Like, yeah, yeah. all the time, like, 
okay, we get it. Like, but like that's like a weird pandering to these American audience that the U.S. couldn't yeah. even see it because it wasn't even on CBS Sports Network yesterday. Well, and that, that's another part of it, too, where, like, you look at the NFL. These kids, like, we had a conversation here during the break about Caleb Williams. And, like, I couldn't have one conversation about a U-sport player or whatever it's called right now yeah. uh, coming in. Like, the, the these players are going into the NFL are stars when they get to the NFL. But w- the, you just have a bunch of nameless kids get drafted to the, the mm-hmm. CFL this year. The Riders uh, are going to have a very high draft pick. I couldn't tell you one. I, I, I think there's another Rorick kid coming from Ohio. Curse. Yeah. That's it. And so it's a part two of the the failings, I guess, of you sports here where like there just isn't that conversation. So we don't have this relationship with these players coming in. It's just every year. It's like, all right, well, here's 80 new dudes on this team. Let's get excited about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, the league's great. Um, (laughs) I don't want to pile on, but I have a real concern about the building here in Calgary. Oh, yeah. And especially because I don't know how you justify a new one. No, no. I don't know how you can. I don't think you can right now. No, I don't like the pro like the, the, the appetite for the game. It, it isn't here right now. It feels like something that needed to be done like years ago. It, it, and because you you're you've reached mm-hmm. the point of no return with this building, you've already lost so many fans that refuse to go back to that building. Mm-hmm. Families, friends, like wh- whether it's people our age, whether it's people trying to get their kids out there, whether it's people with who are older and might have mobility issues to a certain extent. Not a great building to go to. No. They are moving to the unbalanced schedule again next year, so no more of this, uh, like, Bo Levi not coming out to Calgary type thing. They will be playing every team at least twice well, next year. He might year. not be coming. Yeah, he might not be coming anywhere next year. So, <laughs> um, Unless it's the it's, it's just the simple things like that. The CFL. Yeah. He, and I get it. They, they oh, it was to cut costs. And Toronto Hamilton played, like, something like 16 times over the last three years. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not right. Right. And then Saskatchewan comes here once. Yeah. Uh, someone asked what was the deal with the stats. They just weren't there. They nope. switched over the company to a company called Genius Sports in the off season, And for whatever reason, I don't know who messed this up, but before the new stats were ready, they got rid of all the old stats. So you couldn't find past stats on players. You couldn't find stats from the season. You couldn't st- find stats at all. They had like a PDF that would be updated like Wednesday. Yep. After all the games were done on the week, it was a nightmare. It was a disaster. It was Bush League, to say the least. And I know it was driving everybody nuts within the organizations, within the media, and within the fans. I I did play-by-play for a U15 hockey tournament here, and like play-by-play for the dogs all season long. And I could like I know the spin rate on some kids breaking ball from like Wichita A&M, but I couldn't (laughs) find how many rushing rushing yards Oliveira had. Like it was, and we can't even have historic stats are gone. Yeah, the historic stats are gone, and that like couldn't match anything up with records like. That's the fundamental part of sports debates, right? Like, now that we have all this access to all the stats on our phone, if we're yelling at each other about anything with hockey or anything, say, pull up his stats. Pull mm-hmm. up his, let me show you. Pull up his stats, you know? Can't do that in the CFL. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, there you go. State of the league. We solved it. Uh, we got to get <laughs> out of here pretty quick. couple things before we do go. Uh, our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportsselect.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly uh over the weekend we picked six games i guess five because we also had the Bengals and the baltimore ravens uh patty two three and one hit the raiders underdog and hit the under in the chargers and the packers also mm-hmm. got a push on the cardinals yeah love to see that um george went two and four he hit the under on the vikings broncos he also hit the raiders plus the points and uh, your boy, 4-1-1 one, and one on the week. <laughs> uh, hit the under on the Raiders and Dolphins. Grabbed the Packers plus three. Had the Rams plus one. Had the Vikings plus two and a half. And got a push on the Cardinals plus five. Just missed on the Bengals, which um, if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt, who knows how the game goes. Yeah. Yep. Would have had almost a perfect week. But uh, standings on the season, uh, now 42-21-2 on the year. Dog. Look at you. 21 games over 500. You're going to start your own like 1-900 number. Uh, yeah, call up. I got my best. I got my yeah. lock of the week. I got right my lock of the week. Come on. Yeah. Come on down. Free play right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Patty's 32, 30, and 4. George is 30, 34, and 2. That's how we're looking at on the season. Uh, tonight, Calgary Flames. Take on the Seattle Kraken. 8 o'clock start. Please. Oh, yeah. Pre-game goes at 7 o'clock. I don't know if we're expecting any lineup changes. 
overall? Yeah. Anybody? Uh, no, I wouldn't. They just scored four on one of the best goalies in the world. I yeah, maybe Vladar instead of Markstrom, like Kron was talking about, because he did yeah, play well against plays, Seattle. Yeah, that would be the, this would be probably maybe, but then there is the back back. Vladar has I, played Colorado well in the past. I look at this as, as, well. as like a, one of the gettable games on this trip. So I personally would go Markstrom in this game. Like just go go with your guy for the one that you kind of yeah. need. And if, if you if you these put first Vladar, two uh, these first two Seattle and Nashville, these are the teams that you're battling with yeah. in that eighth round, that eighth spot. Put Markstrom in, and if you yeah, happen to drop a 5-1 loss to Colorado with Ladar in there, you're probably going to lose to that I feel like anyway. Markstrom has mediocre to poor numbers against the Predators. We'll double-check that when they play Nashville, but um, that might be a wrinkle here to keep an eye on, too. A mm. uh, couple things. Sportsnet stats sent in the stat pack for tonight's game. Here's some of my favorite things. Flames are 5-0 and in Seattle since the Puget Sound became host to an NHL club. They're 7-1 and one overall against the Kraken since it became a franchise. Flames' point percentage in the last seven games, 7-1-4. The first 10 games, 250, almost a 500-point jump in the last seven games. And what's wild is that over these last seven games, the special teams has dropped like a stone. Power play <laughs> has gone from 16.2% to 5.6%, and the PK is down from 91.4 to 78.2, and they still have been winning way more than they've been losing. Flames lost in a shootout since the start of 22-23. No team has been worse in extra time. Flames are 7-20 and in games that go past regulation. That's a 259 winning percentage. The next best, Sharks at 6-17. and That's a 261. Blake Coleman has five goals that paces the team. They have 11 players with at least three goals. Flames, Kings, and Golden Knights all tied at the top of the NHL by that metric. Uh, two of those players with at least three goals, Kadri and Lindholm. They also have two of the worst shooting percentages in the Western Conference. Kadri is at uh, a Western Conference worst 5.6%. Uh, that for players with three goals at least. Lindholm shooting at just 7%. Also, here's this. This is good for the Flames. Kraken have allowed at least three goals in 17 of their 19 games this year. Flames, 5-1-2 and two when they score at least three goals. I don't have much more to add. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I'll run through the stat pack for you. Flames, Kraken, 8 o'clock tonight. We'll break it down for you. Brent Cron will join us in the 8 o'clock hour tomorrow. We'll get something else as well. I don't know what. Uh, Eric Francis at 7.30. There we go. Oh, wow. Show's booked for you nice. already. Maybe uh, Ryan Callahan. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. Whoa. Maybe. That, okay. Okay. Maybe. That would be great. Prepare for Ryan Callahan. Okay. We'll prepare accordingly. Probably won't show. Probably we'll prepare show. accordingly. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for us. Brent Cron's going to be next. We've got a replay for you. Coming up, uh, Merrick at 10. Ben mm -hmm. check down at noon. Sportsman today at one. Flames talk. Real Kipper and Born. More Flames talk. Pre-game goes at seven. Enjoy it, friends. Bye-bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.